Hello and welcome back to the EMJ podcast with me, your host, Dr. Jonathan Sakia. Today, I'm once again joined by Dr. Neil Patel, clinical lead at the West of Scotland Innovation Hub and clinical innovation director and consultant neonatologist at the Royal Hospital for Children in Glasgow. We're going to finish up our discussion on neonatal care and innovations in healthcare. But let, let's talk about vCreate TV that you founded. It's being deployed internationally. Give us a brief description about what, what um, vCreate is. We can put a link in the show notes. And conversely, what are the challenges of introducing medical innovations beyond what we've discussed, and particularly in your field in this day and age? Yeah, absolutely. Well, vCreate is another really nice story. Um, and it hopefully illustrates a lot of the points we've been talking about. So um, I'm, this is a company in which we've been the clinical partners in terms of development of the technologies. The company itself already existed, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. So the, the, the technology here is effectively a cloud-based solution that enables um, secure transfer of clinical-grade data. And the kind of USP is the ability to transfer video, especially video that's been recorded on smart devices or smartphones, tablets. And the story really started in it um, in our neonatal unit at one of our family integrated care meetings. These are like a unique kind of collaboration we have with families in our unit uh, where we sit down to ask them, you know, what is it like to be a family and a patient family? And what can we do to improve your experience? And especially, how do we support you to be involved in the care of your baby? It's this concept of family integrated care, because although we're a very technological profession in neonatology, we've come to realize that actually, if you can involve families in the care of their baby, it improves outcomes, both for the baby themselves and for their, for their wider family. So a lot of work has been done by colleagues and including in our own unit over the past um, five to, to six years to really change the culture in the unit to one where we support families to be involved and this meeting is is one of the components of that in in our unit and we invite families to come and and uh, to share their experience and to share their ideas and as a father who came to that meeting and interestingly enough uh, his baby had diaphragmatic hernia which was another connection with that condition and he had to return to work and he said look um my baby's still in intensive care. I'm worried about leaving them there and being and not having a connection with them and being involved in his care. He said, actually, I work as a mechanic in a local dealership. And if you come into our garage, what we do is we have a video system where we make a short video. You get to meet the technician who's working on your car and they point out what's wrong with it. And we think it sets up a really good relationship with our customers and, and uh, brings about a lot of trust and, and, and repeat business. And he said, can't you just send me a video of my baby when I can't be with him? And uh, we thought, well, nice idea, but, you know, because of all the restrictions and security around sending data out of the hospital, we can't just WhatsApp this or we can't just email it. We'd have to have a secure system. And um, we had a couple of false starts trying to find someone who might be able to solve this problem with us. But um, long story short, uh, managed to find a company called vCreate who said they had a secure system for video sharing dropped them a line, having never had a connection with them before. And Ben Moore, the founder, called me straight back and said, uh, I've never heard of a neonatal unit, but tell me about this problem you're trying to solve. And that was the start of really what's been a fantastic collaboration as well. Um, they uh, had an existing system that they used with commercial partners, never used in a health setting. 
But uh, after we got some support from our uh, IT colleagues within the hospital and their review of the security of it, we were able to pilot it with families in the neonatal unit. And effectively, what, what we're using it for is that nursing staff are making short videos, usually about a minute or two long of a, of a baby, usually at a key time when the parents haven't been able to be there, but we didn't want them to miss, might be you know, baby's first feed or, or first bath or, you know, they've just been extubated and it's the first time the family have been able to see the baby off the ventilator. And we share that through the cloud-based system with the patient family. They get an SMS or an email to let them know that the, 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 the video is there. And over time, the videos build up as a, as a record of their time in the neonatal unit. And that's why we call a service video diaries. And uh, we piloted that in our unit March 2017. And it just took off. Families absolutely loved it. And uh, it's now in use in over 130 units throughout the UK. It's almost like a standard of care now in, in neonatal units in the UK. Um, but also widely uh, by units in North America, in Europe, in Australasia. Um, and it's just phenomenal to think that this one idea that came from a parent um, uh, led to a service that's now been used by over, to date, over 80,000 families. Um, over 800,000 uh, videos shared using that service. And we've got strong evaluation data that we've published that uh, shows that it reduces stress and anxiety for families. Very interestingly, it supports um, mothers to express breast milk. That was a benefit that we hadn't anticipated. And of course, we know that, that breast milk feeding has huge um, additional benefits for these babies. And it also really interestingly helped to establish um, strong partnership between patient families and staff and that's a key part of, of, of this family integrated care approach so it's it's really phenomenal how the technology has has helped us to to embed that that model of partnership with families in our units and that was just half the story because during the covid pandemic we then saw this problem with patient families not being able to come back up to the hospital after discharge with various different conditions, as, as everyone's aware of, there was a big concern that uh, the patients weren't being seen and that they, their, their, their conditions would, would suffer as a result. And uh, we'd already been working with um, one of my colleagues in paediatric neurology, Professor Samir Zuberi, to think about, could we flip this system to enable patient families to share video and associate clinical data with us remotely for diagnosis and for management. Particularly, we thought about the use of it in epilepsies, where being able to actually visualize a child or an adult having an episode that might be a seizure is really, really powerful in terms of making an accurate diagnosis. And as it turned out, this was a problem that neurologists had been struggling with for a long time. How do we receive videos that families had recorded on their, on their smartphones in a secure way? So we were able to um, rapidly adapt and pilot the system that's now called Vcreate Neuro um, within the pandemic and with really strong engagement from clinicians across Scotland. So again, it goes back to this point of engaging clinicians really early in, in the development and piloting of the technology. And that, that pilot went really successfully. A lot of other children's hospitals and adult centres throughout the UK came on board very quickly. And again, it's created a service that is now really embedded in neurology care um, throughout the UK. It's already used in over 100 centres and again, scaling internationally, used by tens of thousands of patients, over 35,000 patient interactions. And we've got some very strong evaluation data 
showing how it accelerates and improves the accuracy of, uh, of diagnosis, but importantly, also brings those other things that we talked about that are important for decision makers in terms of generating capacity and re- adding value within the system. So independent evaluation suggested that the system is saving up to £700 per patient per interaction in terms of reduced um, in-person attendances or admissions and investigations, reducing CTs, EEGs, MRIs. So uh, it's really been a, a, another fascinating innovation to be part of. And we're really interested in how we can now scale it to other um, other regions, but also to other um, clinical specialties as well. And we've got some really exciting uh, pilots in uh, pediatrics and surgical specialties, in uh, speech and language therapies, in diagnosis of uh, autism and autism spectrum disorders as well. So another great opportunity for us. A fantastic use of of technology. A guy named Bill Cook, who started a very big, what became a massive medical company, uh, told me that if you put the um, patient at the center of all you do, then, you know, there's that becomes a business. Just think about making the patient's life experience better. And then again, hey, we're all going to be patients sooner or later. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, your plans to launch a, or open a Center for Innovation at the Royal Hospital uh, for Children in Glasgow. And I know you've been consulting widely with, with children, families, colleagues to identify the key areas for innovation uh, with children and build collaborations around these. Um, go for it, Neil. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. Well, for us, in some ways, this is the sort of natural next step. You know, we've cut our teeth on some fantastic innovation projects. We've understood, you know, the, the opportunity of working with with people who can help us solve problems. And we now want to take it to the next level. You know, how do we really scale this and embed a culture of innovation within our organizations? and start to solve more of the problems. I mean, one things we one thing we have in our health services that we're not short of is problems to solve. So how do we start to bring together more and more collaborations and at scale just deliver more great coll- innovations like the Mom Incubators, like vCreate? And our approach to do that is to create uh, a, a, an identity around that within our organization. So we're just in the process of launching our Children's Centre for Innovation. It has its own brand, which is going to be high, healthcare innovation. Um, and our a- aim there is to, first of all, with it, internally within our colleagues, create a forum and a process for them to come forward with the problems they want to solve. And for us to help uh, them align them with strategic priorities, both within our organization, nationally and internationally, and then create the mechanisms where we can engage with partners, whether that's in the universities or in industry, to really try and solve those problems at scale. And um, the other group who we really need to help us do that are the funders and the supporters who will put their weight behind these projects. And we hope that by coming up with this really collaborative, problem-driven approach, that we're doing something a bit unique that will be attractive to those public and private uh, innovation funders who really want to develop impactful innovation that's going to make a difference for our patients, make a difference for our services, but also have commercial and scalable potential 
globally. So um, yeah, watch this space and hopefully we'll have more to share with you in the future. We've been developing with colleagues um, within our organization, our moonshots, which are really ambitious areas for innovation. And we did that, first of all, by survey with over a thousand families across the country to say, what are your priorities for innovation? And alongside that, by uh, survey and workshops with, with colleagues within our own institution. And we're, we're, we're identifying some key themes for innovation, which address patient experience, the workforce, the technological aspects of our care, and key clinical areas as well. So yeah, looking forward to hopefully an opportunity to, to bring those back to, to you and, and uh, everyone who's listening soon in the future. Watch this space. A hundred percent. We'll put something about it in the show notes. And when, you're, when you've got uh, things to tell us, uh, you have an open invitation to, uh, to return. I think I told you this when we talked. I spent a few very happy years in Glasgow during my surgical training and fell in love with, with, the, with the city people with its passion for everything although going to a I must admit going to watch um, my team play a so-called friendly against Glasgow Rangers terrified the living daylights out of me um so tell us about some of the two or three of the current challenges in maternal and neonatal care from your perspective we all know there's a shortage of money there are work uh, workforce shortages what are a couple of specific things yeah well, it's, it's been really interesting exploring these with, with uh, patients and their families and, and colleagues themselves. Um, the, exactly as you say, there are common themes that go beyond our area into wider areas of healthcare as well. But specific to, to neonatology, um, what, one thing that we really want to work towards, and I mentioned it before, is this idea of how do we... Um, provide the technological support that is necessary for these extremely preterm babies or extremely sick babies born closer to term, but do it in a way that also involves their families. And in the past, you know, if you'd walked into neonatal units and seen some of the sickest babies, there's almost like a wall of, of, of technology around them, you know, combination of ventilators and infusion pumps and monitoring devices for for physiological typical physiological monitoring but then additional things like brain waves eeg um you know venous saturation monitors all these sort of things all of which have no doubt played a part in improving the clinical outcomes for these babies but at the same time have created what's almost a hostile environment to their to their family's involvement and what really interests us is if we if we think forward to the critical care unit of 2050, how can we almost make the technology disappear? We absolutely want it there, but we, we, we want to remove the barrier, that it, that it, that the physical barrier that it puts between babies and their families. So I'm really interested in the concepts of working towards, you know, wireless monitoring, you know, where at the, at the moment babies are almost tethered by all the different connections and wires that we need to use to monitor them. So it would be great to think about how do we strip all that away but continue to have all that monitoring in the background. Another really interesting aspect of, of uh, neonatal care perhaps is how do we bring the support for babies right to them at the moment of birth? Um, we are increasingly aware that it's the first few seconds, minutes, hours of that critical transitional period that can 
um, impact the baby for the rest of their lives. And a lot of research in the past two decades has focused on optimizing them in that period. But to do that, we need to be able to evaluate and monitor them fr from those those first heartbeats and those first breaths. And as, as anyone who knows who's been in a, in a delivery room, whether, you know, uh, um, in, in, in a maternity ward or, or a labor ward, you know, it's a it's a it's a busy room, you know, and we are at the mercy of nature often about when a baby is born. And there's both the care of the mother and the and the infant that are prioritized in that situation. So it's again, how do we develop innovations that can fit seamlessly into that environment that support the normal transition of a of a baby with their mother, but that do it in a way without disruption, without, you know, and without adding more equipment and, and more physical barriers to, to the normal process. So those are those are a, a couple of particular areas that, that we're really interested in. Um, and my final question for you, Neil, something I like to ask everyone, Magical Genie pops up, uh, gives you three wishes to improve the care of the patients that you look for, or in fact, any patients. What, what would those wishes be? Um, oh my goodness, I'd love to meet this magical genie. Um, I, I think there's probably themes that, that we've already touched on before. Um, the first is we, we, we kid ourselves, I think, that we have a, you know, a really comprehensive understanding of the individual pathophysiology of our patients. And um, in some ways, that's what continues to interest me you know, and I'm sure many others as well is how do we improve our understanding of of, of uh, patients there's still so much more for us to 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 learn and to understand and even in 2023 um, we, we probably only have a fraction of the the ultimate um, uh, knowledge of, of of patients both at a cellular molecular genetic level so there's so much more for us to learn and for us to apply. Um, and we should probably be pretty humble in acknowledging that. Um, the second thing, I suppose, the second wish I would ask for is all the other things we've been talking about. How do we support innovation? You know, and in, in all other aspects of our lives, the, the technological revolution has brought so much change, hopefully improvements um, to our lives. Um, not always. There are risks associated with it. I think that we all recognize um, but how do we harness those benefits specifically in the clinical sphere? And both in terms of organizational uh, change to make sure that we've got the right processes in place to develop and adopt innovation safely, but also at an individual level, how do we create the, the knowledge and the skills and the time for our colleagues to be innovators as well? And for us to work with those people who traditionally might have sat outside the clinical sphere who are going to help us solve those problems. So I think that would be my, my second wish. And then my third wish would go back to this concept of partnership with patients and patient families. You know, the I think a fear for all of us is that, that um, the world of medicine continues to get more and more litigious. Um, that uh, the work that we do may, may be being put under the microscope. And to me, the solution for that is that we 
uh, completely honest and transparent in the way that we work with patients and families, but that we also have equality with them so that we are sharing their problem and we're sharing our thinking with them and we make decisions together. And that's an approach that underlies um, this family integrated care that approach that I mentioned in neonatology. And it's certainly something that I've experienced is that if we find ways to be partners with with our patients and their families, then um, suddenly the, the problems that we face together are, are problems halved, but, but also it, it can remove some of that sense that all, all of the expectation is on the clinician to solve the problem and it, it, and it makes it feel, feel like a problem that we're solving together. And I, I think that may be one way forward for a lot of the concerns that we otherwise have in terms of the way that healthcare is, is going. So they would be my three wishes, partnership, innovation, and improved understanding um, and humility with it, I suppose, as well. Well, you know, having people like you involved in clinical care, not people just turning up mindlessly going through the drudgery of a day, but embracing the day with passion, with commitment, with enthusiasm, and frankly, with joy. I think you and I um, are very, very privileged guys to have spent part of our lives at the very least doing what we do because, boy, is it rewarding. And I'm afraid that's all we've time for today, but 100% want you to come back and tell us more. Thanks so much for being with us, Dr. Neil Patel. It's been wonderful to hear of all the amazing things you're up to and doubtless all the things you do for individual patients. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. So folks, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Check out our archives. There's loads of really great conversations in there. Um, and, and join us next week for another fascinating episode of the EMJ podcast. Until then, I'm Dr. Jonathan Sakia. It's been a privilege uh, hosting this. Please, everyone, stay safe, stay well, Stay curious. Bye for now.